into the corner, centering pass, scores off a skate in front. Comes away on the right wing, getting it in over the line to the left wing side, a pass back and they score. Stutzla out of the goal is Wall and the Senators are going to score again. Giroux is right there, Wall got trapped out of the net on a turnover and boom. It is over. And I think the new guys want to come in and they want to get off to a good start. The rest of the group, I don't know, you have to ask them. I don't think that's how they approach it. But uh, we've got to we've got to pull together here to keep bucks out of our net. It's out of control. It's out of control, folks. Uh, it's the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590. The Fan Ben and Brent Gunning. Our unblemished record at Scotiabank Arena is now blemished. Mm-hmm. One in one. As the Maple Leafs come back twice, yep. still lose the hockey game because they can't stop the flow of pucks into their own net, losing to the Ottawa Senators. We're also pretty desperate for a victory after their debacle on Saturday on home ice against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I thought crisis mode was kind of going to get ratcheted back mm. after the big comeback against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now you've lost five of your last six. Yep. Uh, you only have three regulation wins it's now. As Luke Fox rightly points out in his latest on Sportsnet.ca, we are through 13 games. Here are the teams that have fewer regulation wins than the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't think I'm going to like this. The San Jose Sharks, who now now have one. I know. I was going to say, catching up. They have one. The Montreal Canadiens, who uh, the Maple Leafs have beaten, but not in regulation. In fact, needed two six-on-five goals, first game of the season, to get it to overtime. And boy, those two... Games to start the season go differently. <laughs> you think this is a panic situation? Anyways, Canadians. I think we wouldn't be hearing from that guy we heard from to start the show. Sheldon <laughs> Keith is what I think, quite frankly. Oilers cracking. Yeah, it's 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 not great, Brent. Uh, they've surrendered four or more goals at home, seventh straight time, 48 goals against, most in the Eastern Conference. Sheldon Keith is right. Yep. It's out of control. It's not good. I mean, the... Game last night, they had their moments. They had their chances to have a very, very different result. But the problem is, you know, and it's we've had many different versions of Leaf Crisis, right? We've had Leaf Crisis of, ah, these guys can't wake up to start a game. And we had some of that last night as well. We have had Leafs Crisis of, ah, they can't get a save. Okay, we've had some of that going on right now as well. This is perhaps my least favorite version of Leaf Crisis where you play a more or less fine hockey game, but it is two, three bad shifts, two, three bad minutes that just undoes you. And that's not a Toronto Maple Leafs only story. That's a story as old as the the game of hockey in and of itself. But honestly, when I'm watching what I see last night, that's, that's the biggest thing that jumps away from me because there were long stretches of play where I loved what the Leafs were doing, but you fall asleep for a minute. You have a couple leakers. I mean, man, I I've killed Samsonov for less. So from the jump, Joe Wall didn't have it last night. You you could see it. The first one, the first shot he faces squeaks, or sorry, the second shot he faces squeaks right through him. He's able to stop it when it does get behind him, but first shot of the game goes right through him. Should have been indicative of everything we were going to see, and that's not to take everything away from the 18 skaters in front of him. They certainly had their moments, but yeah, just uh, I, another very, very frustrating Leafs game for sure. There were two scapegoats for yesterday's game, right? Like, mm-hmm. And we can talk about the positives because I, I think you're right. Like there were positives. I have, most of my notes are positives because the overwhelming run of play was positive. 
Yeah, it's a team game, like more than any of the other North American sports, maybe oh. outside of football. Like it's a team, team game. Yeah, football, football is, yeah, but yeah, honestly, like a quarterback, quarterback has such can a, paper over someone. I mean, it has an outsized impact. Yeah, really, but like does. a goalie who's as good as Joe Burrow. That uh, <laughs> Okay, they're both team games. But that being said, you can pin yesterday's loss on two, two gentlemen. Mm-hmm. One of them is Joseph Wall, who is, you know, he's got a 913 save percentage still, right? Yep. Like, okay, so the regression was coming for Joe Wall. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you can't expect him to, as Mike Kelly pointed out, be one of two goalies in the entire National Hockey League who had not allowed a goal from a shot outside of the home plate area. Yeah. Like, all season long, it was, it was like him, him and Jeremy Swayman. It was great of him to tweet that right before puck drop. Yeah, yeah and then, like, whoosh, yeah. right right past him from outside of home Kubalik. plate. leak. But, yeah, that was his worst game of the season. And we that can was talk. his worst game we have seen of him as a Leaf. That's I go back point. last year, there weren't any. There no. were game, There were the odd goal you didn't yeah. like, but there was not a night where he's fighting it from the jump like that. No, and, and you could tell. I mean, yeah. well, first goal of the hockey game. But, yeah, no. You, you I can, am a goalie whisperer, as you know now. <laughs> there are two guys that you can you can point to as the direct reason why the Maple Leafs, despite a pretty solid offensive showing, I don't know they only scored three times, mm-hmm. but, I mean, look at shot attempts. Look at how dangerous they looked with the puck on their stick. Like, they they... It could have easily won that hockey game if not for a very subpar game from Joseph Wall, yep. which is an outlier this season. And as you point out, his entire Toronto Maple, uh, Maple Leafs career. Mm-hmm. But the conversation in this city today, and it's been building, yep. and it's not unexpected, is John Klingberg on the ice for four five-on-five goals against. Uh, eventually has to be broken up his pairing with with Mark Giordano. Um He's had moments, I guess, on the power. The power play is generally good, and he's back on the top unit after spending a little time mm-hmm. away from it. So that's good, I guess. The the counting statistics are not there for him. It's hard not to look at that player as just a net negative, like in a serious, serious way, and how different this team might look if he just gets removed from the blue line and some league average or replacement-level defenseman is inserted into his slot. Yeah, let's also let's also remember that was the first order of business this this offseason. I don't think it was the very first thing Bradshaw Living wanted to do, but as free agency closed on the first day, John Klingberg at 4-1, and I think it's fair to say part of that was not wanting to get caught doing nothing in the start of your Leafs tenure. Sometimes the best move is to do nothing, as maybe we can see with John Klingberg. Matt Dumba signing elsewhere for $3 million. I'm not saying he's a perfect defenseman, but I doubt it would be this bad in terms of what you're seeing right now. At least he'd give you that physical element. It's a very different kind of style of player. But, I mean, with Klingberg, we all know what the utility is. We know when it's going well. But the problem is, is that this team doesn't necessarily need him for what he brings to teams. Like he is a breakout pass guy, but he hasn't even been doing that lately. He is a guy who's supposed to skate it out. Guess what? They got guys who can skate it out. Morgan Riley, very capable of doing that. In terms of the forward group, outside of the fourth line, and honestly, I don't even hate Noah Gregor skating the puck out of his own zone. Like, he's totally cromulent at that. Max Domi. Yeah, we I can know. only have one king of cromulence. I didn't okay. say he was king. I said he was totally okay. All right, all right, all right. Okay. And let, let's be honest, like, Noah Gregor, way more cromulent than Yarn Kroc. I was, ta- uh, I was talking about him so much last night. Yarn Kroc, getting too good. Yeah. So Moving past cromulence? Maybe, maybe. Man. Right. He'll find his level mark back to Cromulence. But the the point I make about Klingberg is that the things that make him special, the things that he can do, yeah, you close your eyes and say, yeah, in theory, if he is 
hitting Matthews on stretch passes, but you don't want him hitting Matthews on stretch passes. All we talk about is this team being below the dots and being in the right spot of the zone. So with Klingberg, the thing that he brings, this team just doesn't need in spades. And the thing that he lacks is the thing they need. They put him with Simone Benoit last night. And again, I think if there were other players on this blue line, maybe I would be finding fault with Simone Benoit. But when he's standing next to John Klingberg and that's part of the team, how can I, my eyes be drawn anywhere to the problem other than a guy well, like Well, Brent, that's the thing. Like, Simon Benoit is the embodiment of what I'm talking about when we're talking about replacement yes. levels. Somebody, like, off the scrap heap, literally, yes. uh, they grabbed him off the scrap heap. Mm -hmm. William Laguson did not play in the National Hockey League a season ago. Like, you want to talk about cromulence? These guys are perfectly cromulent. Yeah. Okay, and while you don't necessarily want to punt on a third line, right? Like, that, that you're, especially in the playoffs, mm, yes. you can have... You can have a game plan where you can you can really match up well and take away a lot of what the top two lines on this Leafs team can do, especially when they're on the road. You have one of the, the better puck-moving defensemen in the National Hockey League in Morgan Riley, mm -hmm. and that pairing with TJ Brody works. All you want is four shutdown guys mm -hmm. in the, the, the final do four nothing, or six make of your yep. defense core. Why John Klingberg is in there is beyond me. And I, I guess there's still time. Like, it is game 13, but the, the thing about this that's different than the Bertuzzi conversation, mm -hmm. that's different than the Max Domi conversation, is those guys, you know, you expected, considering previous results, for those guys to be better. Yep. John Klingberg has been this for the last two years. Yep. Who 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 thought this would go any other way than the way it's gone through 13 games? I know one guy. He gave him 4.1 million on the first day of free agency. I think I think part of the belief in that move was that if you look at the way this Leafs team played last year with a lot more structure, and that's not just talking about the defense. If anything, that's actually just talking about the forwards yeah. there. They were There was a much more concerted effort, and I think that if you close your eyes and look at it through the most rose-colored glasses, you can see a world. Like, I'm doing the pitch if I'm Brad for living. Try Why would this have worked? Well, if you have a team that's bought in defensively and you have everyone back beneath the dots, all of a sudden you have a second offensive guy and you can kind of push things, get the puck up. I understand why it makes sense, and that's why I think they're not completely willing to uh, to punt on him or get rid of him or I, I'm not saying he can't take a seat when there's a body available. That's the other problem. There's not a body available, wow. but I mean, when Jake McCabe comes back, yeah, like maybe, maybe, I don't know, like yeah. maybe there's a the well-timed injury, but uh, for a guy who's only on a one-year deal, do you think he he wants to sit down? Like he wants no, to play his way out of this thing? Of course he does. But I think that you can't, I'm not taking any of the blame away from him. He is his own man. He's his, this is his own making. But Keith talked about it last night of having to protect him, having to make things easier on him. And I think people hear that and they think, okay, only offensive zone starts, lots of power play time, make sure he's out there against a fourth line. And yeah, there's some of that, but it's also about demanding more accountability from the rest of the team. Be that defensive unit that we saw last year. And, and again, the Leafs, they were not super porous. It wasn't a track meet up and down last night. It was an odd man rush after odd man rush more than you'd like, but it wasn't a ton of those going back the, the other way, but this Leafs team is capable of playing so much better defensively. And I just think that that is, and again, 
I'm not trying to sell you on it. I'm thinking that's their their vision of this whole thing. Yeah, but that that's the point. Sheldon Keefe can coach up a defense, right? Mm-hmm. Like he can coach up a a, a five man unit that yep. can play pretty well in their own zone and limit the the high danger opportunities. And and you know what? Take some of the load, some of the burden off his goalies if he has like a base level of defenseman. I think like I I just. And protecting your $4 million free agent defenseman is also hilarious, too. This from Kevin Papetti. Entering yesterday's game, there were 188 defensemen with the over 100 minutes of ice time mm-hmm. at five on five. Klingberg had started just 5.6% of his shifts with the defensive zone faceoff. That ranked 187th of 188. And you're right. Like, it's not. De- that's, but yeah. That's exactly. not the only thing you're talking about in protecting mm-hmm. a defenseman. But that is that is quite a bit of. Of protection yeah. that a guy who's supposed to play 20 plus minutes for you, like to, to have that few defensive zone draws, again, for a guy who's playing a third of the game, Sheldon Keefe is attempting to yeah. protect him, at least while he's on the ice. For sure. And a guy who is supposed to be, at the very least, on your second pair, right? I mean, that ship has sailed for the, at least for for foreseeable future here. But that's where he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be a guy that you, by no means were you just going to be feeding him defensive, defensive zone starts. That was never the plan with this player. But what? You were only going to have one pair? You started in the in the defensive zone? Because... Bro or, or Brody and Mo, you don't, you don't like, you don't keep them away from that part of the game. But you're not saying, ah, they're the first guys out every time with this decor. Maybe they are. Although again, yeah. Lagason and Benoit, I haven't hated together. Lagason and Geo looked okay at times last night when you went there. It's just, I mean, at a certain point, the tire's just going to completely fall off with Geo, and you've seen your your moments there. It's just you're asking the guy to play 20 minutes a night, like we saw this last year. What version of him are you going to have? And it's not even about that right now. But it's just you're you're taxing so much. Uh, of of him with what you're asking of him right now in terms of the minutes he's being asked to play. And in a perfect world, you tell him to go take a seat with all the added ice time he's had in this McCabe injury. But right now, no chance. Not, not a way you could you could lose that guy in the lineup. In a way, it feels like the Leafs are putting their fingers in the dike here, like a, a couple of different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the, this, I know we talked about the perception of this team over the last half, half decade, yeah. not exactly meeting up to the reality of this team over the last half decade mm-hmm. where they have actually been a very stout defensive team, lose Morgan Riley for a month yeah. and like give up one goal a game for an entire month. That's great. Uh, and then in the playoffs, it's been, hey, where's the scoring go? It just hasn't existed, and there has been no secondary scoring outside of the core four. And the mm-hmm. four, core four guys, when yeah, when you get into a limited sample of the postseason, you can better focus your defensive energy totally. towards Austin Matthews, towards John Tavares, towards William Nylander, towards Mitch Marner, and yeah, it's up to a third line to create some offense. So you go out and you try and acquire some offensive depth pieces mm-hmm. in Max Domi and Tyler Bertuzzi and maybe John Klingberg. Yep. And now you you have become the thing that a lot of people around the National Law Hockey League think that you have been but haven't actually been over the last half decade. This is now a team that has to outscore its problems. Yeah, but they can't. That's the other that's the other part of it. They have proven the ability to do it putting the Superman cape laid on in games. But it has not just been a team that goes 2-2-2 two, two, two a period and that's the way they're just an offensive machine that rolls you over. Yeah. They have players and honestly, mo- most teams that kill for four guys that can yeah. take over the way a game those the way those guys can. You blink to me like you don't think John Tavares still can. No, 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 no. I was blinking you because I was thinking about how, yeah, they, they've been good and like those guys have had in- yeah. individual 
great moments this season, but like yesterday was the first time we've seen like really sustained offensive zone uh, possession from this team. Like they, from they, all three lines. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean the, the one, cause you were, I mean, I was waiting for a bit of a fall off game from that yarn Domi and Robertson line, especially all the smoke that got blown up their butt for the, for the last two days. Yarn was awesome last night. I thought he was so good and weird to say about a guy who scored two goals. The, the game before the one that sent it to overtime and the winner, but I thought he was so much better Last night, he was just really, really active. And to your point, that line was generating a lot. Robertson making good reads to kind of keep pucks in, winning the odd battle on the board there. And then, I mean, Nylander and Matthews specifically, just those two, they were going in such a way last night. I mean, you saw it on the goal from Nylander. That save Corpusalo made on Matthews when mm. he gets around whoever the D is there and then goes backhand, which I don't know. We can count on our hand the amount of times I've seen Matthews try to go backhand when when in tight on somebody like that. But yeah, they they were buzzing and and you had your your chances. And hey, kudos to Corpusalo. He has been awesome this year. He didn't. This wasn't a steal the game. I think sometimes people immediately go to that when you praise the other team's goaltender. No, he was good. He didn't mm-hmm. steal the game for them. But yeah, they they had the better goalie and it was definitely a part of the the story last last night for sure yeah you're allowed to win a hockey game in which you only score three goals right you are you are you're also you're also allowed to have a hockey game when you when you have 40 million dollars of forward three go score four or five or six you're allowed to do that too i I mean can you really complain about the offense this team has created now through 13 games no i no i but last night was a night where you were pretty like just look at joe wall i Mm -hmm. we can we can talk about the defense we can talk about klingberg we can talk about the lapses Mm -hmm. look at joe wall you were, you're probably not going to win that game scoring three goals when as soon as you saw the first shot squeak through him. And it was a weird night because Corpusello had the exact same thing happen to him on the first or second shot he faced. Both of them ended up reaching behind them, pulling pucks out of the crease to, to freeze them. So I, I'm not going to sit here and complain about this team's offense, but up until the yesterday they weren't getting anything from outside of the top six so it's about more consistent spread out offense it's about not needing just one guy to put on the superman cape every game and kind of single-handedly win it for you if you if you get that you're very very happy with it but it's about this and i thought you saw it last night the consistent sustained effort and pressure that will beget more offense they just didn't have it last night and that's fine yeah i I, you can't win many hockey games when you give up six goals against Okay, it's just not going to happen for you. Um, Let's talk about the goaltending, though, because like I said, Joseph Wall was not going to sustain a 940 save percentage, unlikely. Tough ask. Um, That was his worst game as a Toronto Maple Leaf, but I, I, you know, my own words were ringing in my head yesterday that Mm. this is a team that's asked its goaltenders to be average, to like slightly above average. Just don't kill you Mm -hmm. on a nightly basis. The ask is different now. Like maybe until they're able to to figure out what's going on on the blue line, maybe before Sheldon Keefe says, you know what? I know we need to score more, especially in the postseason. That's actually been our problem. But let's mm-hmm. just tone it down. Let's not think about you know getting Austin Matthews to seventy goals this season. Let's try to win some hockey games two one and three to two. Let's make these games less enjoyable because that's the thing. Like these Leaf games are entertaining as hell. Like mm-hmm. not when you're giving up the leads in the third Even period. Ryan Reeves but, trying to make it entertaining. Uh, we'll get to that <laughs> also. But yeah, the the ask is very different of your your goaltenders and 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 maybe they're up to it. And uh, I I I I guess it's still Joseph Wall that you you feel the most confident in. And the overall numbers are still above league average in an overall sense. And like I said, gave up his first um, first goal from a shot outside the home plate area mm-hmm. yesterday. But for the first time this season. 
you got neither guy going all that great. And like I said, last year you had a roll of the dice with Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov, and you're just hoping one of those guys hit. And both guys hit at various points in the season. Both mm-hmm. guys got injured at various – like, it worked out so perfectly that there was never a point where you're like, oh, neither guy's going. Yep. Like, there was always somebody was going. And it's just one game. But at, at the current moment, mm-hmm. you have Ilya Samsonov, who was just pulled from his last start against yep. the Tampa Bay Lightning. Joseph Wall was good in that game. But in the next start for Joseph Wall, he played his worst game as a Leafs. So you're you're talking about two goalies who have played pull-worthy hockey in their last two hockey games headed into a back-to-back on the weekend. Yeah, they, they're, it's it's interesting with Wall because you're right. This team as a whole has asked their goaltenders to do more this year, and I'm not going to say that they made it super easy on the goaltender last night, but I can sit there and point to the Kubalik goal that that's from outside the home plate area. Like, you just, you got you got to have that one. And then there was the other one, I'm trying to remember what it was, that kind of went under under his pad inside his skate that you just don't love. and. If you take away the two you don't love, it's a one-goal game, and you're right there. Like I, I'm not trying to paper over what you're saying about that this team is asking more of their goaltenders. They definitely are. But if you just make the saves that aren't asking more, like just stop it from outside the home plate area, don't have this weird goal go under your, your pad when you just can't get it down in time, all of a sudden you're right there, and then it's Matthews theatrics and you're pulling the goalie and you're you got six yeah. on five all over again and it's a very different conversation we're that's having how this team wins hockey it, games that's exactly it <laughs> and it is so i look at that game last night and i go it's just it's that is not the game to make the point of what you're saying and you've been ringing the bell on this all night long but that that one from wall last night it was just it was clearly a night where he just didn't have it and it wasn't going to, I'm not saying it wasn't going to matter what the team did in front of him. David Ayers won a game yeah. in the National Hockey League, so you could have done something about it. But it just, I mean, the thing I will, I do not want to give them too much credit for this, but if Samsonov had let in that first goal after it going in through his, or, or squeaking through him and him stopping it, like we've talked about what this team looks like when they don't get the save early on in the game in years past. And for them to kind of get that in back-to-back nights, it was nice to see them not kind of fold and falter. I wouldn't have expected them to either way, but we've seen that a lot from this group in the past where it's like, okay, goalie doesn't have it tonight. What should you expect us to do? It's been the exact opposite this year of, all right, goalie doesn't have it tonight. We will find a way to win this thing regardless. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a fascinating subplot to to kind of watch for sure with the the Leafs goaltending and how much is asked of them. Do you want to talk about some of the positives? I, I there's one positive I specifically feel I need to bring to light. Okay. In the first block of the show today, number fifty nine, mm-hmm. as McKee said yep. when we had him on, my whipping boy. Every time I asked him a question about Tyler Bertuzzi, he would go, which. Because that's how much I I have been have had the daggers out for him. He was awesome last night and I think a lot of people are going to hear that and say oh yeah I bet you say he has a good game because he scores a goal if he didn't get on the score sheet last night it wouldn't have mattered from the jump he's in the blue paint he draws the penalty I don't know that it was a penalty I think guys are supposed to be allowed to clear the front of the net but that's neither here nor there yeah he was in the right area to draw a penalty going out of his way to and you know they weren't massive bone rattling crushing hits but just 
Rub guys out along the boards. Finish your check at the end of the second period. He did make a point to take, I forget who it was, but it, and it wasn't a huge run, but yeah, I'm going to get a piece of this guy at the very end. And, and really, let's be honest, just make the boards rattle so everyone in the building knows that I'm trying hard. And guess what? That stuff matters. Like Ryan Reeves, we saw him trying to get the building going late last night. That does, doesn't matter. Matters when you see it from Bertuzzi, or we've seen it from Domi at times this year. I thought Bertuzzi was awesome last night. And it's amazing what, and I think this is the thing that we've all been talking about with him. This is what Bukala talked about yesterday is that the little things beget the big things. He had the puck on his stick. It felt like more last night than he's had in the first 12 games as a leaf. The amount of times he was just there for a drop pass or somebody to feed it to him off of a zone entry. And how can you look at that and not say it comes from being more engaged in other facets of the game? And then, yeah. You shoot it in the net, and that's got to feel great. He's really needed it. As far as positives go, there are a million things to talk about because there were a lot of really good things from that game. But Bertuzzi was first and foremost the guy I have to bring up today. My goodness. Yeah. When you're one of one, two, three, four, five forwards who were not uh, negative on the plus minus, yeah. You've done something in a hockey game that looked like that. Uh, one of the other guys that was not a, a negative, who was even, was Nick Robertson, who scores his first of the season. The great feed backhand mm-hmm. sauce by Max Domi. Again, like, it feels like they found something on that third line, especially with the way Callie Yarncroke has looked the last couple yep. of games. Like, that, that, that is a real positive takeaway. It mm-hmm. just gets totally... Uh, overshadowed by the defensive issues this team is having, and specifically John Klingberg in the goaltending. But it, it man, that that felt like the number one question going into this game was like, hey, have they found? Have they figured out a way to to be like those Vegas Golden yeah. Knights we talked to Bukala about, mm-hmm. and their spread out scoring, or even the Vancouver Canucks who have done the same thing, yep. not relying on a group of four forwards. Mm-hmm. That that does feel like it's happening. Two straight games, that third line has has done things. Well, and it's funny. I think if somebody if somebody didn't if somebody I realize it'd be an opposition to be in, but if somebody followed this team really closely and knew what happened in the game but didn't see it, they'd go, ah, that third line, it bit you, right? You were overextending them a bit. They got run. No, that wasn't the case. They were mm. on the good you know, Domi, there there's a clip play from Sheldon later on in the show where he where he really kind of gives it some of the big boys. And Domi was out there for that goal against, but he was the last man on off of a change for the Minus. I thought Domi was good last night. I mean, yeah, again, everyone's going to go to the incredible pass, backhand sauce, and then great job by Robertson to kind of whack it from, I don't know, ankle, shin height, wherever yeah. wherever it was. That's just a great play, and you we've seen it now. I think this is the important thing, too, is that we got really excited when it was, oh, Domi and Nyes, he needs to find chemistry with a guy. I don't know that a guy like Domi needs to find chemistry with a guy. He's a really gifted passer, and I think that he is a guy who you just put him with players who expect that kind of thing. You put him with players who are looking to make those kinds of plays, and you see what happens. And again, you you look at just the way that line is built. I mean, you see Yarncroft last night. He did an incredible job breaking up passes. There were so many times he just got his stick on on a puck, disrupted things. And for a line, let's be honest, if it's going to be Robertson and Domi, who are the other two-thirds of it, they're going to struggle a little defensively. So a guy like Yarncroft, if he can just slow things up, give those guys a minute to make a better read, get in better position, it, it really it, it really can bode well for them. So, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, top two lines are great. They really had their moments, but that line was great as well. And honestly, this is a wild thing to say about a team that lost 6-3 outside Ryan Reeves. Did not dislike the fourth line at all last night. I'm I know Justin Bourne was first to stake his claim. I also like Noah Gregor. I enjoy him as the what should be the eleventh or twelfth forward on this team instead of clearly not twelfth. 
Uh, all right, let's talk about Ryan Reeves. Yeah. Now. Who, I, like, I'm with you. Like, th- that that fourth line yeah. you know, kept the puck in the offensive zone. And honestly, up until the end of the game with the chicanery, which I don't mm. really, I'm not going to bother to get, I'm not, I'm not going to get too worked up about it. I know people don't really like it. I don't care one way or another. But he had a solid-ish game for the most part. Reeves on the right side of the puck. Like, I know he got caught out there. Mm. But this is some of what Keith was talking about with the luck for Reeves. Like, this wasn't necessarily Reeves being the guy to cause goals against. I thought he... I thought he had a as solid a game as you could expect from him last night. And then, you know, Camp and Gregor are who they are. Ryan Reeves minus nine. So it's like nothing but San Jose Sharks at the the, the very yeah. bottom. Like Masters in, leaderboard. In, yeah, yeah. In, the, in the lead for the, the green jacket at the end of the season. Why are we allowed to know that? Well, that That's one's great... kind of hard to, like, well, that one well, doesn't take any digging, right? Well, like, any, anyone can calculate that. The other thing with the... I'm the, just saying. Yeah. I mean that one. I'm sure if the NHL had its druthers, you wouldn't be able to search like reverse look up the plus minus. I think and who the minus I leaders are. Wanted, I'm not gonna. I'm not an IT guy, but I mm-hmm. feel like if they wanted to, they could probably put a bug in the site that would allow you to not be able to reverse search that. Just saying. Uh, Ryan Reeves with his minus nine tied for 691st mm. in the National Hockey League. John Klingberg minus eight. Six hundred and eighty first, and all the sharks. <laughs> and it's it is literally four sharks. Uh, Philip Zadina is uh, minus fourteen, and there's three guys that are minus thirteen. You got three more sharks who are in the seven hundreds, minus twelve for Anthony Duclair, Nico Sturm. Minus 11, Jan Ruda. Yuck. Uh, minus 11. Anyways, those guys are bad. Uh, if you're being mentioned in the same breath as the San Jose Sharks, you know you're doing something wrong. But, okay, you don't want to talk about the end of the game, and, and that's fine. No, it's not, the, it's not the, that I don't want to talk about it. I just don't care. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it's down the pecking order. Um, but you – I mean, I said it to you as it was happening, yeah. right? And we were sitting next to Luke Fox, and yeah. I think we all had the same kind of comment, and we'll talk to Luke yep. in about an hour's time. That it we was, told him to bring the good stuff, by yeah, the way. Yeah, so he's, he's cooking up something. I'm sure he woke up early to, to make sure all his thoughts are in order. Doing push-ups. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of embarrassing. Like, it was it was obviously a guy who's who understands what's happened and understands what his role is and understands also that he hasn't been able to fulfill that role for various reasons, mm-hmm. some of them outside of his control. Also understanding... I'd argue yeah, most. yeah. And also understanding that, like you said, some of the minuses have been entirely puck luck. And but, but here some he of is. Them have been not. Yeah, yeah, here he is on the ice again for another minus. Is like, let me do something. Like the game, the, even in some of these losses, the games have been close enough that I haven't even been able to do this in in multi goal losses. Yep. And attempted in a in a final shift to do something that, of course, the Senators were like, "What? It, it, this forty seconds mm-hmm. left." Like. We're, we we came here. We accomplished what we looked yeah. to accomplish. We erased the memories of Saturday's loss. I, I just it felt a little. It did. I'm sorry. It felt a little sad. It felt like a guy trying to justify his existence, which I get for a guy who signed a multi year contract, paying him more than a million bucks, who had a questionable mm-hmm. role on this team going into the season. Do you want to know why it felt like that? Because it was sad. Because that's the truth of the matter, <laughs> is that this is a guy who gets one three. And again, I would love to not care that Ryan Reeves makes one three. I'd love to not care if he made five. But guess what? I have to care deeply because the cap is the only thing that matters 
in this league. And you see it. I think the we we all mentioned this. The problem with the Reeves is that if he's there, you know, there's many personality things. We've talked about it ad nauseum. But, you know, part of it's nuclear deterrent. Part of it is have a fight to wake up the fellas or give the fans something. The problem is when you're Ryan Reeves, there's what? Seven, it's like, it's almost as small of a club as that there is elite goalies in the NHL as guys who should be willing to fight Ryan Reeves, rightfully so. And he hit some people. And he, he hit some seven people. hits. But Zach McEwen game. is a guy yeah. who might. He wasn't going to do it in that instance, in that moment. But Zach McEwen's a guy who would go Ryan Reeves. That's not out of the realm of his weight class. And I think he just sees a guy who's in his weight class and says, come on. Do me the solid. It would not be the first time fighters have done this for, but they're not doing it at that point in the game. And yeah, I don't like, I don't get perturbed by it. It's, it's literally like, that's his job. If you have a problem with the job, that's fine. And, but that's what he's there to do. If you're not going to, if you're not going to put him out there, he shouldn't be on the team. And I realize there's a lot of people saying, yes, Brent, congratulations. (laughs) I've been saying this from the very jump, but when you're capped out the way you are, I mean, are you really, do you really think, do you really think we're going to see a world where John Klingberg, or sorry, not John Klingberg, I mean, we, that's a conversation we've been having too, but where Reeves is is waived, where, where Reeves is a Marley to bring up what, Bobby McMahon? Like, do you, I'm not saying they shouldn't do that. I'm not saying it wouldn't make him a better team, but honestly, all the talk they've had about him being such a part of the, and by the way, that's slowly uh, quieting down the chatter of how much he's part of the room and part of the team and da da da. But it's just, it'd be such a, a pivot and quite honestly, such a throwing in the white flag of, of what a guy is supposed to be. We've thrown out the idea also of, you know, if he doesn't play every night, maybe it's different. And I can hear that. I think you do get a different version of Reeves if he's like the, you know, like you take him out of the, you take him out of the cage and it's like, oh, here we go. We bring it on big, bad Ryan Reeves. Yeah, maybe there's something to that. But every night guy, God, this, like, you cannot have it. You, you played him 430 in a game that mattered the other night. Like, tells you everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows what he is. He knows what he was brought in to do. Yeah. It's been a tough start for him. It's been a tough start for a lot of the new guys. Max Domi, Tyler Bertuzzi, changing the narrative. John Klingberg, Ryan Reeves, not so much. We'll, we'll obviously swing back around. You think. To the Toronto Maple Leafs, plenty today. Uh, but coming up next, Raptors come up with their best effort of the season. All of a sudden, they're back to 500. Also, Scott Morris did his thing. His uh, annual state of the free agent market. Funny guy. Uh, we'll get to that more next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. I'm not quite ready to apologize to Masai Ujiri. Mm, so I'm wondering okay. where you were going and, with that. And Bobby Webster. Yep. Right? Like, you you apologized to Tyler Bertuzzi. Oh, okay. I was like, I, mean, I did? I mean, you didn't say the words. Actually, if you want to say the words, you can apologize to him right now. No, I stand by everything I said at the beginning of the season. I was, I was steadfast in my criticisms. I thought they were all very fair, and I thought he played an excellent hockey game last night, and I would love to offer him... 
I don't know, whatever it is, 60 some odd, and then plenty of playoff games, more of praise for that. But in terms of anything I said, no, because mm. I never said this is a player who can't find his way. I said it was a player who was spiraling out of control. Very different. Who hadn't things. found his exactly. way. All exactly. Right. So you won't apologize. And I, again, I'm not yet apologizing to Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri. Is this a pre-apology? This like, is you're like, not pre-firing I, someone, no, but I'm, the opposite. You're pre- I'm getting everything sorted so that we're not shocked when I do apologize. If you were at writing some point. an apology note, you would like have the quill and right. the ink and I'd the be parchment it, ready, yeah. but mm-hmm. not doing it yet. No, 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 no pen to paper. No, yet. no, 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 no. But I will say, <laughs> I mean, it's not just vibes, right? Like there is a coaching element to this, and boy, Darko Ryakovic. Anyway, this team's only they're only five hundred right yeah. now, right? Like let's also not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> and the the teams that they have beaten and 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 looked great against mm-hmm. in their best wins of the season, whether it's the Milwaukee Bucks win yeah. or the Dallas Mavericks win or the Spurs win. Yeah, the Timberwolves was game one of the season. I don't know what to make of that. And Rudy Gobert is like having a, a, a defensive player of the year type season. That's the team that leads the National Basketball Association hmm. in opponents' field goal percentage. But the other teams, yes. the three that I mentioned, the Spurs, the Mavericks, and the Bucks are... The seven, like they're in the bottom seven in defense, if mm-hmm. you consider opponents' field goal percentage. So that's that's definitely a part of it. But man, the, this Raptors offense is starting to find things. And yeah, Scotty Barnes has a down game, which he's allowed to have after a half dozen where he scores twenty plus points. And guess what happens? The guy who has had a down start to the season and Pascal Siakam has his best game of the season, and then. Yeah, it kind of steps to the, the the background in the final moments of the basketball game. And we got a team that's that's 500, is now beaten a Milwaukee Bucks team that we all expect to be in the, the championship conversation mm-hmm. and a Mavericks team that had yet to lose on home court until yesterday. And a narrative is building with this team. It does feel like they're figuring it out. And how many teams, whether, whether this can actually come to fruition yep. or not, and it has at times this season. How many teams have the possibility of two star players in Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam with the ceilings that they possess? This is what we talked about for the last couple of years with this team, just like the potential that exists in the individual players. Yep. There's not a ton of teams around the NBA that have the potential that exists in those two players. Yeah, I mean, just just look at the teams in the same kind of neighborhood as them, right? I mean, like the Knicks. So you look at the standings right now, and it's strictly strictly just in the division, right? There's two other New York teams that are four and four: the Knicks and the Nets. There, and you know, say what you will about the the you know the uh, Jalen Brunson or Julius Randle, but they don't have the ceiling that a guy like Scotty Barnes does or a guy like Pascal Siakam does. And you know, for Pascal last night, I think it's really important for him to have a game like that once in a while. I mean, we've it's talked about how important. lost he has looked at, at various times, and I think it's about finding the kind of right balance. And so much of it is about just seeing how it unfolds in the game. Right? You can't sit there before the game and go, "All right, all right, tonight's your night, Pascal." You know, matchups dictate these things, of course, but the problem problem is is him and Scotty have pretty similar matchups or somewhat similar players so it's not it's not as obviously telegraphed there I think the other important thing about that Raps win last night is that so much this season when we pointed to the Raptors winning we said ah they really shot it well that's why and they didn't shoot it terribly last night I mean from from the floor they were just below 50 percent 30 percent from three that's not what you want in an NBA game so the fact that they're able to get there shooting the way they did in that game yeah like 11 of 36 from deep Pascal Siakam 0 for 5 
five. Scotty Barnes, 0 for 4. So that's far from a recipe you want to replicate in that game, but you have to be able to win games where shots aren't falling. So I don't look at that as an indication that this is some flawed team. I think of it as proof in the pudding that you're able to win when when not at your best, seeing the numbers in terms of shooting. It is very difficult to get outscored by 18 points from three-point land and win a basketball game. But what you have to do Raptors is... Raptors dominated inside, yeah. Yeah, you have to take 15 more shots, which the Raptors did as they were absolute beasts on, on the glass, uh, out-rebounding the the Mavericks by 12 14 for Scotty Barnes 12 for Pascal Siakam and, and Scotty Barnes yeah not his best game offensively only with the 14 points for 15 from the field but this team continues to do yeah. it defensively and OG Ananobi has been the most consistent player basically all season long and three of eight from three yeah. and locking up Luka Doncic to the tune of uh, 11 of 26 from the field. What I was going to say for, for Scotty, if you're going to have a game where you're 0 for 4 from deep and you're just contributing 14 points, pretty good way to paper over that is leading the team in reboards, rebounds with 14. Siakam there with 12 of his own. Scotty leading the team in assists as well with 7. So the fact that he was clearly a very capable distributor as well outside of the fact that he had a little trouble scoring and that's what you want to see from a player like that. That's the whole point of a Scotty Barnes is that he doesn't just have to score to be a really, really effective player. Obviously, more times than not, you'd like him to have a little more than than 14. It's going to bode better for your team. But the fact that on a night where, okay, shot's not falling, I'll just lead the team in boards. Like, that's everything you you read coming out of this game, which you saw last night, is that this was a team that, and size has killed them in the past. So really, really encouraging to see them that they were able to uh, to kind of take care of it in, in that regard. Talk to Alvin Williams later on in the program. But yeah, the, the narrative's changing for the Raptors who have now won three of their Last four, a big test coming up this weekend on Saturday in Boston as they wrap up this road trip uh, against the Celtics team that just lost to the Sixers I think that yesterday. might go. I think that might go a little differently, though, than the Mavericks game. Just my opinion. I mean, you win that basketball game? Very ne- different uh, conversation. Okay, the, the quill is hitting the, the paper mm. at that point. My I, goodness. Uh, I'll, I'll also sign it. All right. Uh, there's one clear winner at the Major League Baseball at general managers meetings now through a couple of days. Oh, there's two because you're a winner. Anytime baseball's in the news, oh. it's like, who wins? Ben Ennis. Not really. Yeah, I mean, come yeah, on. You of... get so excited. You love it. All right. Here's the true winner, though. <laughs> Whatever virus has felled all the executives. Because <laughs> apparently uh, 10% of the Major League Baseball executives in attendance of this thing all got the same virus that is... Yeah, not allowed them to leave their hotel room. And as a result, Major League Baseball has canceled the rest of the meetings. Okay. <laughs> they wrapped them up. So hope you enjoyed what you got through the first couple of days of this thing. And, and thank goodness it did at least come after Scott Morris took to the microphone because that would have been a severe tragedy if, if we had to, to go the entire offseason without hearing from Mr. Boris. It's also nice that now there's like a Blue Jays Blue Jays are included in his diatribe, but not, like, totally negative. It used to be, like, they were the bird flu team. The blue flu, yeah. Yep. Uh, So, Scott Boris, he spoke yesterday, and uh, here's a little snippet of what he talked about. This guy. Matt Chapman, his most notable uh, Blue Jay client. You know, when you think of third or bronze, uh, you think of third, but when it comes to Chappie in third, you're always gold. So, um, and as far as his bat, you'd have to say the, uh, you know, I'm not giving you lip service either, but the chapstick really has a lot to do with the 
potentials and advances of a core lineup. And I think when you look at their organization, leadership-wise, and, and what he means to them, uh, and again, in a defensive and a offensive mold, particularly where the ballpark there is now, you know, home runs are hard to come by in, in that ballpark uh, for a very good offensive lineup. And so having players on the dirt that give you gold glove defense and give you middle lineup, you know, 25 home run power are, are very, necess very necessary to their success. Right, I mean, Matt Chapman didn't hit 25 home runs. I actually have something way more pertinent to take out of that. Okay. I need someone on the scene to out Who is the laughing? chuckler. <laughs> Who? We've all, like, I, I, I shouldn't lump you in. I've definitely given in my day a courteous media laugh here or there. Buddy, I am. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, who am I talking to? I, of course. <laughs> I am a great laugher. Like, if, yeah. if you get a genuine laugh out of me, yeah. there is a clear difference. But is that I don't like to toot my own horn. My laugh is like upper level elite stuff. Okay. I, I wasn't. Wow. I, you don't agree? I don't, or like, I don't, I don't know. You, I don't, like, I never, you, do you feel like I'm talking no, out of school? Like, I don't. I, I wouldn't. Here's what I'd say. I didn't ever think of you as a bad laugher, but no, I wouldn't have thought you were really? an elite. I don't, I don't know. I think of only, I'll be honest. When I think of like laughers, I only think irritating, annoying. It's like, mm. it's oh, a yeah, one. Like, oh, that person's enjoying something. That's awful. How, how dare they? Yeah. I certainly am not now. Yeah, no, but uh, okay. You're, you're a great laugher, but wow. yeah, I, that's all I could think of. As soon as I heard the little chortle from whoever that was, you know what? I hope they got sick and a decent <laughs> chance because they did. See <laughs> you hear that? I'm, yeah. Oh. Actually, that was a little bit too wheezy. Now I'm going to be self-conscious. Now you are self-conscious yeah. of it. You're a great laugher, bud. All right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like, what is the correct protocol, though, as a professional in that circumstance? I mean, you got to butter the bread. I understand who he is in, in the world. Like, you literally uh, just read what the scribes wrote about that. They're like, ah, he came down from the mountaintop to give us his sermon like he always does. It's like, clearly, it's it's part of the calendar. You got to, like, I understand it, but man, that's a... Too bad of jokes. Like you got, there has to be a floor for stuff you can laugh at. I had to look up if he has children because those felt like dad jokes, like people without kids would do. But he does have kids, and Scott Boris so comes oh, by it honestly. I guess. I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's writing those. Okay. You, well, you think there's a guy? Say. Do you think there's a guy in? Like, I mean, yeah, big corp, Boris he, world. Yeah, yeah, you think he's got a joke writer? Like uh, he's got a writer's 100%. room. Hundred percent. Yeah. I now. <laughs> I now want to talk to that guy. I don't like. It's like obviously we talk to Scott Boris if he wants to come on the show. Yeah. But if his writer's room could, could I don't join think us. that guy's allowed to talk because you don't think? no, he runs a pretty tight ship. I've talked to Scott Boris <laughs> and I asked for one of the hats. You I can't even get a telling hat me about this from Boris Corp. Bor Corp. That yeah, Garrett Cole was wearing at the conclusion of Game Seven of the World Series in which his Houston Astros team lost. Like immediately putting on the like free agency Man. hat. People was, got. People uh, got mad. Move. People got mad at Fnuf for Red Bull hats after <laughs> like Leafs losses in January. I can't imagine how that would have gone. Yeah, right. no. It, hey, it went well. He got paid by the Yankees, and he's about to win his first. And Spider Attack. Don't ask him about it. Yeah, that was, listen, he's a great like Barry Bonds. He's a yeah. great pitcher. Doesn't need the added benefit no. of that he stuff. Needed, but when he, he gets a better that answer, is what he needed. Yeah, All yeah, right. yeah. And All he right. wasn't the only guy. All right. I've dragged you into the wilderness. That's fine. That's okay. It's really it's really fine. Because there's not a massive amount to take away from the right. GM meetings. Let's be let's yeah, be you're frank right. and honest the lead here. Is, the lead is uh, death is winning there, apparently, with this virus yeah, whipping through the hotel. Nobody died. But, yeah, they probably 
at, at points were like, oh, how much worse could death be? Like, I've been in that situation where I've we had all, a GI, all. like, all oh. situation. See, I haven't had, like, the GI, but I am a migraine guy. Like, Oof. I get them occasionally, and it's literally, this is, it's like, what do you do? I throw up, and I wait to fall asleep. That's yeah. it. So, I've been there. <laughs> all right. <laughs> One actual that baseball thing. I know it was. Yeah. Okay. And what did you think? Good. Yeah. All right. Uh, one real baseball thing to take away from this is okay. I guess Candelario is, oh, is like right. the, the the guy that they're gonna target in free agency, and he's fine. Like a switch hitter, he yeah. can hit you some home runs. I he's, pulled up his Avant page yesterday. Yeah, he's he can play some average defense. Like can play mm-hmm. the position, but he's an average guy who's about to be thirty years old, yes. who's a free agent, whose contract, no matter almost what it is, is not gonna age all that well. To me, that's if you're gonna go out in free agency. And overpay, which everybody's an overpay, and, right. and and you should all everybody that pays the money for mm-hmm. those free agents should go into it with that understanding. Play at the very tippy top mm. of the free agent pool, and if you can't, I, I love the idea of Reese Hoskins on a on a get right one year oh, yeah. deal, That'd like doing phenomenal. the Cody Bellinger thing. If he can play left field for this Blue Jays team, coming off a knee injury, which I'm not so sure. Yeah, like it he's wishy washy. Yeah, if, if he is a DH first base, like uh, how do you also fit Joey Votto into the equation? But no, if he can play left field and you punt on left field defense because you know it's left field and not everybody and, has an and elite. Dalton Varsho's so good in center. Well, he is. I he's, know, but he's gonna. Yeah, you're gonna have great defense in center field. Like I, if there was that type of guy. Right. To play third base for the Blue Jays next season. I love that. But the idea of like Jaime, like you shouldn't be locking up Jaime Candelario no. to a hundred million dollar contract. Honestly, I'd, I'd rather take a couple rolls of the dice of, you know, some guys that might be able to, to mishmash together and like a Justin Turner, even like an Evan Longoria type who, man, I know the idea of him being healthy for even a hundred games at that position is, is not, I, I think what you're looking to do. Yeah. At that position, Stop which cap. is is the one position that you absolutely need to address this offseason. I talked about mm-hmm. second base. There being enough internal candidates that you could squint and see them getting what they want out of whether it be Cabin Bijo, Santiago Espinal, yeah. or yeah, calling up some of the the young prospects at that position. And you know what? Maybe maybe Addison Barger is ready to take over at, at third base. But no, third base is the one area that you need to address, whether it be in free agency or trade. What you're looking for. Is just league average. Yep. And if you're getting league average, you shouldn't be paying through the nose in free agency, which is what you're going to do with Candelario. So yeah. I don't like the fit at all. No, I I think that makes a, a ton of sense there. And yeah, the the top, the tippy top end of the free agent market for third baseman. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it not uh, the old chapstick there? And uh, yeah. yeah, well, I think the ship has sailed on that one. I think rightfully so. So I'm with you there. You want almost to stop a stopgap. And the other problem is, is that any deal you you give those guys, and you know this is a way bigger conversation, but the money is going to bleed into when you really got to pay Bo or Vlad or both or whatever that looks like. And you know, not, it's not a cap league, but the, the checkbook doesn't not matter either. So you don't want a guy it, and not say you can't gum it up for anybody, but not for Yimer Candelario of all people. No, um, you can't gum up your cap space with, uh, four plus million dollars of John Klingberg. And like, mm. if we're adding Ryan Reeves, like five plus million dollars for a couple of guys who are net negative. Almost a whole team. Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah. When we come back, are the Leafs better with like Bobby McMahon and Miko Kokanen in those positions and just making the money disappear. That and more next as the fan morning show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, the fan.